who's closing for the Nationals? Well, so do we. Welcome to Fantasy <laughs> Baseball Today. We'll do our best to answer your questions and sort out some bullpens and tell you about Buffalo Wild Wings. Sports trades are scary. One person can be replaced by another. Exchange for money, given away for a hypothetical future person. And once they leave your team, you can't like them anymore, even if you have their jersey. And you can't wear that anymore, except at B-dubs. They won't judge, but others might. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Azer. I'm back! <laughs> Welcome back, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Good Adam, to be back. the married man now. How do you feel different? Uh... It is slightly different. Like I, you yep. know, people, oh, it's the same. I know, you know, we've been living together for a few years and it, it, nothing has actually changed, but for some reason there is something intangible that just feels a little bit different right now. Yeah. Well, I think you're already more responsible. You were ready on time today. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I did a lot of work on my honeymoon, so you guys should be, well, just for one or two days. Uh, you guys should be happy about that. We got a good show. We got a good show for you today. Not going to be one of the best ever, but uh, informative. This is a fun time at Fantasy Baseball. Guys will get traded. Fantasy values change. And we really need to start with the Nationals bullpen. So let's just get into that did real you, did quick. Did you just say this wasn't going to be one of our best shows ever at, well, the, you at know, the top of the show? You know how I like to say that I'm going to bring it, and if you guys bring it, this is going to be our best show of the year. Like, it's, no, it's, it's not going to be. It's just, like, this wow. isn't going to be... One of those, like, really fun, everybody jokes about it after and, like, tells their friends, you gotta hear FBT. No, this is an informative show. <laughs> Starting with Nationals bullpen, like, it's, this is, it's not okay. sexy. Alright, go ahead, sorry. No, who, who's, who's your favorite Nationals reliever right now? I wrote about both these guys, Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle in Waiver Wire this morning. I really think in a Roto League or a head-to-head categories league, I would like to add both of them. I believe Ryan Madsen probably has a slight edge just because he throws with his right hand. But Sean Doolittle is better than Ryan Madsen. And we may not know for two weeks who the quote-unquote closer in Washington is because they may both get chances. And I don't – I think it, there's still an argument to be made. He's not on the roster. I mean – That's possible. The Nationals, the Nationals need to try and get somewhere in the playoffs this year. They've – you know, they've, they've been among the best teams in baseball for several years in a row, row now. And I don't think, I mean, both of these guys have some closing experience, but it's not like, uh, we've ever regarded them as lockdown closers. I, I think there's still a good chance the Nationals pursue that. But I have, I am surprised, like, considering Santiago Castillo was closing in Oakland, you know, I haven't thought that much about Madsen and, and Doolittle in a long time. I'm surprised the numbers they've both put up this year. Oh, yeah. Both with lips, both with whips below one, uh, below 0.9 even. Yeah, no, they're having great years. I mean, Madsen, it has a 206 ERA, six walks, 39 strikeouts, and 39 and a third. Doolittle has a 338 ERA, two walks, 31 strikeouts, and 21 and a third. And I was surprised at how easy it was for me to get these guys. They're both owned in about 28% of leagues. Doolittle 27%, Madsen 28%. I've already picked up Madsen in three leagues. One of them for a $2 bid, and two of them, like this morning in our 16-team head-to-head categories league, I picked up Ryan Madsen. I couldn't believe it. Scott didn't answer his phone because he was ignoring me, but so I tried to get the clearance <laughs> from him, but uh, we dropped uh, Luke Voigt. For Ryan Madsen, and I don't know, like this is a really good trade for the Nationals. If these guys are as good as they have been pitching this year, whether or not they end up as closers is really going to help the Nationals. 
Uh, but yeah, right. but it's that uncertainty. I think right. that's that's why people aren't pouncing on it. And I've gotten a lot of people asking who it is. I mean, Dusty Baker even said he could go, you know, he could use some of both. So there, there's there's still no clarity here. There are better options, but there's still no clarity in the Nationals bullpen. And can we probably eliminate, uh, you know, a guy like Matt Grace who got two saves over the weekend? Yes, I would say so. All right. Um, how about, how about Texas? I also picked up Alex Claudio in a 12 team Roto League and Heath, you picked him up in the 16 teamer. He got two saves over the weekend. He pitched in all three games. He is also a lefty and every single time he came in this weekend, he faced Eric Hosmer and then Salvador Perez, then Mike Moustakis. Well, it wasn't, you know, Hosmer was the first batter he faced. Perez didn't play right. one of the games, but he came in for lefties. Um, but he got two saves. So, <laughs> but then he, and then Sunday he pitched the eighth, right? Yeah. And Grilly lost it in the ninth. Grilly lost it in the ninth. But it was a tie game when both of them entered. So nobody was really going for the save, but that kind of, uh, I was of the mind, you know, going into Sunday, oh, it looks like Alex Claudio is the Rangers closer. And now I'm still unsure. I don't think he deserves to be. I think no. he might be their fourth or fifth best reliever. Well, I mean, they don't have good relievers. Everybody's hurt or bad. And so I picked him up just because, like, if you were starting this week and you're in a league where you need saves, I think there's a chance he picks up a couple. I don't think he's a long-term answer at the position. Well, Keone Kellis should be back pretty soon, and maybe he's their best reliever. Uh, yeah, he may be. That's I think guy. he was just has to be healthy first. Yeah, so that, that's a guy you could look at if you need a closer. Keone Kella, 27% owned. Enough about closer. Well, more about closers, I guess. Is there anything else in bullpens, guys? Senwano O blew another save. Brett Cecil got a save. Oh, he actually didn't blow a save. He, he took a loss in a non-save situation. Then Brett Cecil got a save chance on Sunday, and he blew it. Yeah, and and it was actually reported that Mike Matheny was, uh, had been considering Cecil as a closer option for a while, even before that outing where he blew the save. I don't know if Cecil's still in consideration. He had been pitching well up to that point. Um, the overall number's kind of shaky, but it's been on a nice run. So I do think maybe in deeper leagues, as unreliable as O has been, Cecil is somebody who, you know, like NL only, he needs to be owned. Okay. Would you pick up Alex Claudio or Brett Cecil? Claudio. Yeah, I'd pick up Claudio. All righty. Enough about bullpens. Anybody make interesting ad drops over the weekend? Because I, you know, a lot of people are playing on ten day weeks, so they didn't have to make ad drops for Monday. I think that was why I was kind of right. dormant on the waiver wire, other than the closers. Uh, yeah, anything for you guys? Even if, even if it was, uh, you know, the CBS standard, you divided the weeks, you divided the ten day stretch into two weeks. I mean, it had only been three days of action, um, so I wasn't. I didn't do my normal process that I do on Sunday afternoons of really like, you know, reviewing who's on every waiver wire in every league and making this myriad of moves. I pretty much stood pat. Okay. Yeah, I, I wrote waiver wire this morning so I can give you some names, even though I didn't add them yesterday. Hit me with it. Uh, Trevor Cahill has 20 strikeouts in 16 innings since coming back from the disabled list. He's still just 64% owned. Oh, man, that does need to change. That was he, a good start Sunday. He needs to go up. He's had one that didn't really count as a start because it was just four innings and he was just coming back. Then a bad start and a good start, but I think he probably needs to be closer to 80% owned. A, a lot of swinging strikes even in the bad start, if I recall. Uh Tommy Pham 
I think with Grichik and Piscotti go, both going back on the disabled list and the fact that Tommy Pham is better than both of them anyway, Tommy Pham probably needs to be closer to 80%. How He's about 50% so far. Brandon Phillips had one of the hottest weekends I've ever seen. Seven hits, six for extra bases. If you're into the hot hand approach, I think Phillips is a good middle infield option. Now, would you would you go with Phillips or the guy who did this a week ago, Paul DeYoung? Uh, Phillips. Okay, so the first Unless thing you gave was Cahill, up, obviously. And I'd go I'd go with Whit Merrifield over Phillips too, but hmm. very and Merrifield's more highly owned. Merrifield every day does something. I mean, yeah. I can't yeah. I can't believe that. it. He's having a great year, a good year. Well. When you're fast and you strike out 13% of the time, it's hard not to do some things. Speaking of fast, anybody interested in Magnera Sierra for the Cardinals? He is fast. He had three infield hits yesterday, I think. And a stolen base, right? I'm not sure, but makes sense. Guy steals base. He can steal bases. I mean, maybe in an NL only roto league, I'd look at him. Yep. But there's not a clear opportunity for him there, right? It's still... Well, with Piscotti and Grichik both out, there might be. I don't know who else would play in the outfield with Fam. Fam and um, oh. Ho- Jose Martinez. Yeah, Jose Martinez. I guess who's who's their other starter? Oh, Fowler. Fowler. Oh, right. The back. Hip. He's healthy. But okay, so <laughs> they're. I don't think it'd be an everyday thing for Sierra, but if that does become the case, then then maybe it's it's something to think about even in in mixed roto leagues. See, I told you this wasn't going to be like we're talking about Bagneris Sierra, you know. We got to spice it up a little bit. Together. What how how was your week, guys? Did you have fun without me? How was our Did you listen to the shows? Were you no. listening to your the podcasts I, on the honeymoon uh, subjecting your new wife to to pointless baseball talk? <laughs> she has, she's had enough of that uh, during our <laughs> engagement. Uh, no, I did not listen to the podcasts. I, I probably should have, at least on the plane ride home. Um, I heard it's they fun. were very good. Fun. I got I got to host a show with Al, just the two of us. It what? Was, yeah. That's awesome. How'd it go? It was awesome. That, United. I'm not sure that Adam was supposed to find out this way <laughs> that, that that went down, but uh, his reaction sounded a little, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Like, I like you're upset you missed out? Well, no, I was either going to say, like, how dare you? You shouldn't have done that, or that's awesome. How did it go? And I went with, that's awesome. How did it go? So, But you were thinking, how dare you? That's the all-star break. Who gives a crap, right? Um, <laughs> how about Aaron Judge in the home run derby? That was fun. I'm just really sad that it ruined him. It did. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's been terrible. One hit in like 22 plate appearances. I'm telling you, it's bad. Also, did you see the home run that was stolen away from him last night? You know, I was actually at Marlins Park yesterday for Marlins Dodgers. Oh, cool. And there were a couple, you know, high pop-ups hit at the plate, foul balls that went straight up, basically. And... You'd wonder as they went up, are they going to touch the roof? And they didn't because the roof is obviously very, very high. And then you think about him hitting the roof from the complete opposite (laughs) side of the field. Yeah. You know, where the outfield fence is. It's just unbelievable to think about, especially seeing, being there and, and being able to, uh, you know, to put it in perspective just a few days later. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I did get to, get to see uh, some of the home run derby. That was awesome. Um, and and it, for Aaron Judge owners, you know, it was a bad, bad weekend. But 
He did have a two-run homer completely stolen from him by Jackie Bradley, a great catch that Jackie Bradley made in a deep, deep part of, you know, that little triangle in Fenway Park. Uh, so I guess you could take a little solace in that. All right, let's move on, guys. The big news in Major League Baseball. Johnny Cueto is on the DL with blisters. Is he a buy-low candidate, or is he someone you're avoiding right now? I think he's by low. These blister issues popped up, I think, in May. We, we first heard about him, and he was just like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm going to pitch through them. And uh, we see the way that's gone for him. Um, and I still – lately it's been pretty bad with the walks and everything, but I, I still think the disaster starts have been less than you'd expect given his overall numbers. I think he's done a halfway respectable job of fighting through it, but I'm glad he's finally sitting out and assuming it's just two or three weeks um, – You'll be happy you you made an investment in him now, I think. Okay, that's Johnny Cueto. Uh, pretty interesting. Ryan Braun is, they say, day-to-day for the rest of the season. He's going to be evaluated on a daily basis for the rest of the season due to his previous calf injury. Heath, how would you approach Ryan Braun uh, based on that information? Well, the, I mean, if he wasn't hitting so well right now, right after coming back, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult situation because if he plays six games a week – then he is a top 12 outfielder. And you probably expect him to play an average of more like four and a half games a week. I still think he's must start in just about every format. Do you, did you guys lower Ryan Braun in your rankings? Well, I moved Ryan Braun back up in my rankings because I thought when he got hurt before the All-Star break, we were going to see another disabled list stint. And the fact that he came back right after the All-Star break and started hitting again, I moved him up. Now, that was before this day-to-day for the rest of the season, but this also just kind of sounds like them saying something. Hasn't Ryan Braun been day-to-day for most of the past two years? Yeah, and, and last year he played like 145 games or something like that, and he was really he was great on a per-game basis. I think he was around 12th overall. Yeah, um, that's, that's, about, that's about where I have him ranked right now is around 12th at outfield. Okay. So would you rather have Andrew McCutcheon or Ryan Braun? I have McCutcheon ahead. I think I have Braun more like the 16-17 range, and, and McCutcheon is just about back in my top 12. Ooh, wow. It's been so long that he's just looked like retro Andrew McCutcheon. Now, look I, at this. Look at this. I, I know it's hard to update your rankings all the time. I get that. So there are a lot of things that are a little out of whack. But look at that guy in head-to-head points leagues that Scott White has one spot ahead of Ryan Braun. Look at oh, no. that. Look at that With guy. The- who is it? Carlos Santana. Oh yeah. Yeah, Carlos Santana's been pretty good no, in points He has? He has. And oh, I still think the best is yet to come. I I you, agree I with that. Not, I am not ashamed of my placement of Carlos Santana in a points league where walks are rewarded a full point. Um, Do you have him ahead of Thames? Uh I I know I dropped Thames in my last update. I think one spot uh, behind. Thames 15, Santana 16, Braun 17. Points leads I mean Thames has scored 274 points this year to Carlos Santana's 261. And I'm telling you the best is yet to come for Santana. He's been he's performed so far below our expectations and he's 13 beho- points behind Eric Thames for the year. I, I don't. I don't think that's. It's ridiculous to have him ahead of Thames at all. I wish Santana were still leading off. He's batting at like sixth or seventh now. But well, he would be if he did. I know it's uh, it's weird. That that's that maybe says a lot about Eric Thames. Um, I mean, yeah. he's outscored Buster Posey this year. I know Posey. We play him at catcher. He's outscored Will Myers by a lot more than a, a pretty good bit more than uh, 
then Thames has outscored Santana. All right, well, look, I think we all probably agree the best is yet to come for Carlos Santana, so that is that is optimistic right there. Joe Ross will have Tommy John surgery. Michael Pineda will likely have Tommy John surgery. That sucks. Starling Marte is coming back on Tuesday. People want to know, do I start Starling Marte this week? Yep. I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't see why not. Maybe if it's a three outfielder league and you just, it's already a loaded position for you. You can't justify it. You, you play the rust card and sit him, but that'd be the only situation. And finally. Would you start Starling Marte or Carlos Santana? In a points league, Santana. Like okay. that's a standout in one format versus a guy who kind of lags in that format. But well, you know, any categories league, then certainly you go with Marte and the batting average potential, the steals potential. There we go. Okay, format specific there with Marte versus Santana. And finally, Danny Salazar, 77% owned, had a great rehab start yesterday. However, he is still walking batters. Nine walks to 23 strikeouts in 16 innings in four minor league starts. Salazar, like I said, is 77% owned. I don't know exactly when he will be back, but it seems pretty soon. And you would think, is it guaranteed that Salazar is going to be in the rotation? I think that's the plan. I don't know that it's guaranteed. Um, I He needs to be owned until we see him in the majors and see what he does again, just because the upside's too great and starting pitcher's too bad. Well, would you pick up Trevor Cahill or, or Danny Salazar? I'd pick up Cahill, but I'm really high on Cahill. Yeah, I would pick up Salazar. Does Cahill's home road splits... Uh, do they matter to you? Because at home he has a .72 ERA, on the road 5.01. Oh, uh, I hadn't noticed that before, and we've talked before about Ulysses Chassin's drastic home away splits. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting just because Petco Park, since they moved in the fences a few years ago, it's been a pretty fair park. It's it hasn't been this this pitcher's haven it was when it first opened up. I wonder if they went back to using the old balls in San Diego. <laughs> Only there. They installed a humidor. Uh, San Diego needed one of those. Yeah, I mean, he look, he hasn't had that many road starts. Cahill hasn't made that many starts, period. But it is interesting, and I just want to see who Cahill has this week. If you bear with me, 64% on, he actually was going to headline an under-owned pitchers segment. Trevor Cahill is at San Francisco this week. I'd You're start starting him. there. Yeah, that's a good start. And he will miss at Colorado. All right, so look, ad drops, maybe not. But trades, I think this is like, not only is the MLB trade deadline coming up, but fantasy trade deadlines are coming up as well. So now's the time to make some trades. And there's a group of players that I find very interesting that are having a success either all season long or lately as starting pitchers, starting pitchers having success without a lot of strikeouts. And Steven Matz, you know, Steven Matz just got slaughtered by the by the Rockies. Nine hits and seven runs in one inning yesterday. And his previous start, five runs in four and a third at St. Louis. And this is a guy who said, I'm going to try to pitch to contact and pitch deeper into games. And the strikeout numbers have been horrible. But he had a 2.12 ERA in his first six starts. After which Chris Towers said, Steven Matz is an amazing sell-high candidate. And so far, he's been right about that. So with Matz sort of as a, I don't know, as a reference here. I'm looking at these pitchers, and I'm seeing these low K rates, and I'm wondering if we should be selling them. You tell me. Michael Fulmer, who has a 306 ERA, but 6.3 strikeouts per nine. It was 7.5 last year. Michael Fulmer. Cole Hamels, who seems to have turned things around 
his last three starts have been really good, but they've come against the White Sox, the Angels, and then uh, on Saturday against the Royals, who have a good lineup. But again, strikeouts are very low. 33 strikeouts in 59 innings this year. Danny Duffy, 351 ERA. Um, he finally had a good start. He was struggling before a good start on set on Saturday against Texas. But Duffy has 71 strikeouts and 89 and two thirds. And then I'll just say the other names: Sonny Gray, Alex Cobb, and Garrett Cole, who's been kind of up and down. But but none of these guys are striking striking batters out, especially in today's game. Fulmer, Hamels, Duffy, Gray, Cobb, Cole. Are you looking to try to trade these guys? Some of them maybe, but not so much the high-end ones. Like Fulmer, Michael Fulmer, I his strikeout rate dropped to about this level in the second half last year, his rookie year, and it was a big reason why he was on my bust list coming into the year. But now I think, you know, you got more than a full season of this kind of performance from Fulmer. I just I feel like it's I feel I feel like it's silly to uh to just dismiss it as as some kind of statistical um you know, correction on some correction is needed here and and that he's going to regress in a way that that will uh that will ruin your fantasy team. I I, I think he's beyond that now. Um <laughs> Cole Hamels. Whew. Sorry, Scott, I uh I just held in a sneeze. Just uh Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright, so so don't Scott says don't sell high on Michael Fulmer. Let's move to I, Cole Hamels. Right. Scott Keith, you want to jump in? I, I'm with Scott on Fulmer, Hamels, and Duffy. Those are the three that I'm not looking to trade unless we just talked about a guy that was a good buy low candidate, a guy like Johnny Cueto. If I was in a position to where I felt like I'm pretty much locked up a playoff spot, I would be, I would gladly trade one of those three guys for Cueto. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, really? you, you put words in Scott's mouth because he never said anything about uh, Hamels and who was the third one? Well, he said the yeah, high end guys. I assumed <laughs> that Hamels and Duffy were the other two high end guys. You know, I wouldn't trade any of them for Ham, uh, for Cueto. I mean, that's getting, like, I'm all about buying low on Cueto. That's certainly not buying low. Um, no, Hamels, well, these are top Hamels, 25, I'm fine, I'm, I'm fine with Hamels because his biggest concern was, was walks. And, and during this three start stretch, two total walks, he seems to have slayed that dragon. So I'm fine with him. Danny Duffy does give me some concern because there's a strikeout drop accompanied by a velocity drop. And um, I the whip is high on the year. I, I'm just not sure he's the same pitcher he was last year, the one who got the big contract from the Royals, the one who made us think he was a top 20 fantasy option. So I have some concern there. But, but Sonny Gray is actually the third one that I feel good about. So Fulmer, Hamels, and Sonny Gray, just because... Okay, the swinging strike rate is low on the year, but during this turnaround, his swinging strike totals uh, have been much closer to where they were two years ago than where they were last year, and I, I think he's he's gotten his groove back. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a little I'm, worried because just look at Greg. He, Chicago, the White Sox twice, the Braves, and a very good start against the Indians. But I don't know, man. Um, well, it's not just that, but he's on the trade block, allegedly. And he has been very good in Oakland this year, a 3-1-1 ERA. It's closer but, to five on the road. But hasn't your argument with Sonny Gray always been the left side of the Athletics infield? It was all their terrible defense. defensively. If he gets traded to a team in a big park with a good defense, then yes, he could be a top 25. I don't think he needs pitcher. a big park because he's such a good ground ball pitcher. Like he, he's not a guy who gets burned by home runs when he's who he's supposed to be. Well, he's been really, really good at home this year. Okay. All right, it's Sonny Gray. 
Uh, uh, Hamels. Ah, gosh, I don't know. Like, really, if people think he's old, Cole Hamels. Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I'd like to trade. If you if you think he's just, you know, the way you valued him at the beginning of the season, I'm not saying you do. But if you're looking at Hamels and, all right, he's top 20 pitcher like I thought, uh, 33 strikeouts and 59 innings, that's a major red flag. I don't have him in the top 20. I don't have – I don't believe I have any of these guys in the top 20. They're all at low-end number two, high-end number three type guys. It is a pretty impressive run, though, from Hamels because the strikeouts are up in these last three outings. But they are against the White Sox, the Angels, and now the Royals. Uh, I don't know. Like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm probably just going to hang on to Cole Hamels and hope he turns it around. Because <laughs> you know, in, in the league I own him in, I'm in fifth place in a Roto League. And I just – I kind of need my guys to just catch fire. And I guess Hamels probably has a good a chance of any, anyone I'd realistically be able to trade him for. So – all right, Hamels. What about Alex Cobb? All right, let's let's trade Alex Cobb. Are we cool with that? Yes. Yeah, I mean he's not going to get near the return of these other ones, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced he has a split back, and that's his split change. It's not a split fastball like we normally think of split, but I'm not convinced he has it back. And uh, yeah, this this looks like a mirage to me. Five point nine strikeouts per nine inning for Alex Cobb. That's scary low. And anything you guys want to say about Garrett Cole Heath? He had six innings of two-run ball with four strikeouts against the Cardinals on Friday. I'm not as moved to, to move Cole. I put him in the same range as as Duffy. I, he's maybe yeah. a high-end number three, low-end number two. I don't believe you're going to get much more value than that for him. Okie dokie. Moving on. I got to tell you about podcast awards. Oh my gosh! Help us win an award. So let's, let's talk this out, right? We got two shows that are nominated for the, in the sports category on podcastawards.com. Fantasy baseball today and fantasy football today. Have you ever been a fan of a team where two of their players are, are finalists for the Heisman Trophy and you know they're not going to win because the voters are going to split the votes between the two of them? Like, should we encourage everybody just to vote for, for one show? No, let's well, take first and second. Well, wait a second. I, I do have to ask. I've, I've had this thought. Is there any chance, if it's a fan vote, is there any chance a fantasy baseball podcast can beat a fantasy football no, podcast? No. 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 So, like, it would make more sense for all of you fantasy baseball listeners to help us out and vote for the fantasy football podcast. That's so there's, there's only one sports category. Yeah. I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Uh-huh. And fa- fantasy baseball is going up against fantasy football. And many other podcasts, yes. Okay. I'm just How many saying, other podcasts? A lot. I, I honestly don't remember. Also, and where can I vote at? What'd you say? <laughs> where can I vote? Podcastawards.com. And I'm not vote as often as you can. I don't remember. I, I, we're not going to win because they started on July 1st, the voting, and I didn't realize that until July 13th. So what do you mean we're not going to win? <laughs> We've done a really good job of encouraging people to vote. I, I was on my honeymoon for God's sake. <laughs> Um, if you want to vote for either Fantasy Baseball Today or Fantasy Football Today, we'd appreciate it at PodcastAwards.com. And I am going to annoy you about that on this podcast and on Twitter for the next two weeks. I am not going to annoy you when I tell you how to save money, though, and that's with SeatGeek. If you listen to this podcast and you don't use SeatGeek to buy and sell tickets online, well, I like, what's up with that already? Come on. You're costing yourself time and money. You're doing too much work, and you're not getting the best deals. Uh, if you use our offer code FANTASY on SeatGeek, you can save 10 bucks on your first purchase. 
and that code is FANTASY. I really do have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I really do use it whenever I need tickets to games or concerts, or less often, but if I want to go to a comedy show or theater, I can also use SeatGeek. SeatGeek price compares for you, searches multiple sites, finds the best deals, clearly shows you the best bargains when you're looking for tickets. That's how you save time and money, and every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Use SeatGeek, everyone. You will love it. If you want to save money, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. That's promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Heath, you have the look of a man who just voted on Podcast Awards. Actually, you have the look of a man who doesn't quite know how to vote on Podcast Awards. Uh, <laughs> well, it just it looks to me as if registration and nominations are open until July 31st. Yeah, I've already, does, I've already registered and nominated our shows. Right. I don't believe voting is open until nominations are closed. No, I'm I pretty think sure people you can, can nominate us. I, oh, nominating. Awards. Okay, so we're I don't believe there's now? any way to vote for us. Okay, nominate us then. Nominate, yes. Dude, yes. this is so messed up this year. I do not understand. I, I have been so confused every step of the way with podcast awards. So we're, we're not behind the eight ball. Voting has not started. I uh, still nominate, nominate us. So we yes. can be finalists. Please do nominate us. Yes. There we go. Thank you, Heath. Most added players. You might be a little surprised by the most added player in, in CBSSports.com leagues. Brent Suter, Brewers pitcher, is 42% owned. Anyone interested in him? Not really. Uh, the minor league numbers weren't particularly good. He throws like an 88-mile-per-hour fastball. There does seem to be some deception there. He's had a couple good starts, but I need to see a lot more of him, a lot more of that given his profile. All right, that's Brent Suter, who's 42% owned. Number three on the list is Chance Adams, Yankees pitching prospect who has a much clearer path now with Pineda out for the year. Would you rather have Suter or Chance Adams? Adams. Adams. Suter or Yoli Chassin, who's number four on the most added list? Chassin has a... No, he was he was the guy who started the, over the weekend. He does not a two star pitcher this week, so that doesn't explain that. I I do think I'm to a point now where I'm willing to use Shasin in home starts unless it's against against a really good offense. But uh, I'd still go for the upside of Adams. I'm looking, by the way, uh, slightly different list. Brent Suter is the number one most added player. Uh, Chance Adams, I think, is actually number six. Shasin is a little bit lower on the list. So if we look at the actual list here, Paul DeYoung <laughs> is uh, the number two most added player. He's eligible at second, third, and short, and obviously corner infield and middle infield. And he had that amazing weekend, Paul DeYoung, against the Mets with like a million extra base hits, 54% owned. Anyone care? Oh, I think at shortstop, I mean, there's enough need there that uh, he's he's somebody you can mix in. And uh, certainly if it's a, like a standard roto lineup where you need an extra middle infielder, he might be close to must own at this point. But I don't have like I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in this skill set. Forty two strikeouts to four walks on the year, so it's entirely dependent on him continuing to to hit for power like he has so far. Um if he wasn't shortstop eligible, I'd probably say move on. Would you rather have Jonathan VR or Paul DeYoung? VR. VR. I think, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. DeYoung? I don't know. We did an entire segment last week where Chris called him Chase DeJong. <laughs> and Chase DeYoung. So, that might be Chase DeYoung. 
So we did miss you, Adam. Okay, thank you. Well, look, I haven't. Is it Chase really... DeYoung and Paul DeJong, or Chase DeJong and Paul DeYoung? DeYoung. Is, oh, I'm sorry. DeYoung is how uh, Baseball Reference says to pronounce it. All right, DeYoung, it is then. You didn't need me after all. Mike Clevenger, number four on the most added list, seventy four percent owned. How does that ownership sound for Clevenger? I don't think he needs to be added any more than that. Okay. Yeah, the the ERA is a little, it's low, it's it's impressive, and and you know he's not a bad strikeout pitcher, but there's some some reason to think regression is coming with the ERA. Would you rather have Mike Clevenger, who is seventy four percent owned, or a fifty seven percent owned Sean Newcomb? I'd probably still go Newcomb just for the hope that he's uh, yeah got some more upside left in him. Listen, bad starts against the Astros and the Nationals, they don't count. For me, they don't right. count. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't care yeah. what you do against the Astros and the Nationals. And those were Newcomb's last two starts, and he gave up 11 runs in seven and a third. I I I care more than you do. If they weren't consecutive, maybe not. If it was just this odd bad start against a good offense, I could write it off. But It depends on what level of pitcher you're talking about. Like, I want my top 25 slash top 30 starting pitcher to be able to get through those starts without blowing up. But well, anybody yeah. below that, no, I agree with you. All righty, um, let's get off the most added list because it's a lot of guys we've talked about. And my awesome list of under-owned pitchers, it's actually with a question mark. You tell me, are these pitchers under-owned? You understand how the game works? Are these pitchers under-owned? Yeah. So like a buy or sell type thing. <laughs> Mike Fires is 75% owned. He has been great for nine starts now, and he struck out 11 twins in seven innings on Sunday. Uh, Mike Fire, 75% owned. Is he under-owned? I would put him at a four on the under-owned-ometer. <laughs> uh, he does not understand the game. Slightly under-owned. Yeah, I think he's slightly under-owned as well. I'd, I'd be happy to make use of him as a hot-hand play. Uh, he, he did have a couple not-so-great starts before this one, but it was with walks, which are not really something he usually struggles with. I think his curveball is spinning, and he's going to keep winning. <laughs> uh, Ian Kennedy, 66% owned. Is Ian Kennedy, who has now had six pretty good starts in a row, uh, under-owned? Ian Kennedy, 66%. I would put him about a 6.5 on the under-owned-ometer. Uh, the nice thing is the last couple of starts, Kennedy's got the strikeouts back as well. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think he and Fires... Should be similarly owned. Maybe Kennedy slightly higher. Yeah, maybe both closer to like eighty. Because I Kennedy Kennedy's been streaky before. I I think he's on. I I think he uses him when he's on a run like this. Scott, who would you rather? I guess because Heath took Kennedy slightly over fire. So who would you rather have? Hmm, Kennedy. Interesting. Trevor Cahill, sixty-two percent owned. We already discussed him. He is underowned. He's uh, a nine and a half on the underowned-ometer. So would you take Cahill over Fires and Kennedy? Yes. You know, I think you need to recalibrate this meter you made up because you gave Fires a four and said he was slightly underowned. Wouldn't anything less than five be overowned? No, it's the underownedometer. Yeah. Overowned would be a zero. Yeah, no, totally agree with Heath on this one. Very clear. Okay. Also, Fires is the most like owned. a lot of zero, a lot of potential for zeros. Maybe uh, Luis Castillo, fifty-nine percent owned. Ah, uh, zero. He had a pretty good start against the Nationals. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I think he's about appropriately owned. I'll give him a zero on the underowned-ometer. I do not think he's overowned though. Wait, wait. I, I feel like every time we talked about Luis Castillo for That's the last Chris. week. That's Chris. That's Chris. No, I. Okay. 
then I guess I'm close. Co- I'm closer to Chris on this than I am to Heath. Um, the only the only thing he has done wrong in the majors so far, with a lot of right to go with it, is walks. And walks were something he hardly ever had in the minors. But where would you rank him amongst these four pitchers? Where would I have him among these four pitchers? I would have him behind Cahill, and that's probably it. Oh, okay. All right, that's Luis Castillo. And let me just say this about Castillo. Look at this freaking schedule. At yes. Washington, Milwaukee, at Colorado, at Arizona, home against Washington. Brutal. Yeah. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because I picked him up in the podcast league, the 12-team points league, at like basically as soon as he was called up, and I haven't been able to start him yet because the matchups have so have been so bad. But he's performed respectively. He's getting a lot of swings and misses with that, you know, fastball, that high 90s fastball. Um. And he, the control should be a lot better than this. I think when he faces some worse lineups, we'll we'll see that. Yeah, and he does. And and Castillo with that with Washington twice at Colorado, Milwaukee, and at Arizona has a 3.41 ERA, 36 strikeouts in 29 innings. And this week he oh he's got the 27 Yankees this week. You have to sit him. <laughs> uh, this week he has Miami. So at home or wait, when did he pitch? He pitched on Saturday. Let's see, one, two. Well, uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, he's got Arizona at home. Arizona, <laughs> this guy can't um, catch a break. The, the trend continues. Eventually, he'll start facing some, some pirates and some. Who else is in that division? The Reds Cardinals, can't face them. Cubs, Brewers. That's not yeah, really a great matchup. Cubs, Cardinals, awesome. Cardinals is okay. The Cardinals, yeah. No, actually, I'm going to start Castillo. Um, one start against uh against Cincinnati's or I'm Arizona. Probably not. Arizona. And then his next start is at the <laughs> at the Yankees. Man, how unlucky does this guy get? Jeez. Okay. Um, is Patrick Corbin under-owned? 55%. What percentage of our leagues are points leagues where you can use them as a sport? Probably a little less than 55%. Then he's probably appropriately owned. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. It's about right. I don't. It's a nice run, but I still don't have a lot of faith in him. Is R.A. Dickey under-owned? 31% owned. His last five starts, Dickey has a 109 ERA. No homers allowed in 33 innings. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Maybe a little. I mean, he he, does, he shouldn't be as owned as Corbin. He shouldn't be as owned as anyone on this list. It's but... a random number, number generator. Well, no, it's it's not random. It's it's turned around with, with Tyler Flowers taking over. Kurt Suzuki had been his, his go-to catcher all year. Tyler Flowers is, I think, the best pitch framer by a considerable margin this year. His his pitch framing statistics are are up there, and and you know with a, with a knuckleball, um, it's not the easiest pitch to spot. So I I do think that's not just a coincidence. I would argue that even when the roulette wheel turns up black five times in a row, it's still random. Well, the problem with Dickey always, well, other than when he was like, you know, Cy Young, he has really bad starts. When his knuckleball's not working, he gets crushed, so it's hard right. to trust him. Right, there's just no way to predict it, I don't think. Yeah, it's hard to trust him, but he's on a good run. And also, right before he went on this good run, or actually maybe like the first game, he said, I told you I was close. And, yeah, he's been on fire. Uh, by the way, I thought, you know, we're talking about pitch framing and all that stuff. Um, I'm reading, I was reading this article this morning in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about what happens to Adam Frazier. When Starling Marte comes back and the article is written by Bill Brink and he says, according to baseball info solutions calculation of defensive runs saved, got all that. 
Uh, yep. Adam Frazier has been six runs better than average defensively, tops on the team. That's with him in left field. So uh, what did Clint Hurdle say? Oh, oh. so uh, Frazier is the best defender on the team according to metrics. Clint Hurdle replied, yeah, that's the interesting thing about metrics. How do you interpret that, that he's like, that's BS? I Who knows? That he's not going to keep starting out of Frazier. Well, it's certainly not in left field. He might play him a little bit at second base, but, yeah, not in left field. Yeah. Uh, all right, then. Buffalo Wild Wings, guys. Delicious place, and it's sports season right now at Buffalo Wild Wings. And whoever invented summer was obviously a sports fan. They didn't even try to hide it. They gave it playoff hockey, playoff basketball, the opening of both soccer and baseball, a clear display of favoritism. The other seasons didn't stand a chance. With three months of clutch playoff drama and the awakening of new seasons, it's clearly the work of a sports fan. They might as well have called it sports season. In fact, at Buffalo Wild Wings, they do call it sports season. Don't ever call it summer. It's not what it is. It's sports season. They're just waiting on the legal change. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings Beer Sports. Let's look at some hitter notes, and we got some more injuries to update you on. But Michael Conforto started all three games this weekend, and that was uh, with a healthy team except on Sunday. Yoan Cespedes was out. But Curtis Granderson sat Friday and Saturday, They and then Granderson played on Sunday with Cespedes out. But it was good to see Conforto back, let off twice, batted third on Sunday. I think that's a good sign. I, I sat Conforto because I was worried about the playing time uh, with Jay Bruce, Cespedes, and, and Granderson there. But hooray, right? Hooray? Hooray. Yeah. Wonderful. Not back to starting him yet. Um, but not in a three-outfielder league. Oh, uh, you're not? Okay. Um, well, you know, we got this long week, so hopefully, hopefully we can have more confidence in Conforto next week. Yep. Cody Bellinger hit for the cycle on Saturday. Who needs that? <laughs> Who needs that? Yeah, you don't need it. No. The, the cycle. It's, it's yeah, he's you know. useless. Um, Scooter Jeanette is 71% owned, and he's hit four home runs in his last eight games, and since Jeanette's four homer game, not even including that, 28 games since, he has a 1032 OPS with nine home runs, a 324 batting average, five doubles. Home run to fly ball ratio is off the charts right now for Jeanette. But my goodness, 71%. The guy just won't stop hitting. No, he won't. And it's uh he's been playing pretty regularly too, right? Against right-handers anyway. As far as I know, yes. Yeah. Yes, he has. So cutting into Peraza's playing time. Maybe a little bit into Eugenio's as well. You know, it hasn't been a consistent lefty-righty thing. It's him and Peraza have been splitting playing time about fitty-fitty. Who, Jeanette? Yeah. <laughs> so that that kind of keeps him out of the mixed league realm as good as the percentages are. Uh, you know, maybe some roto leagues. But the thing is, like, it's not like you can trust him to keep doing this even. Like, I'm not ruling out that he's, you know, in this era with all these, uh, you know, with the, the ball traveling so much farther, it seems like, and, and even these middle infielders emerging as decent power threats. Like, I'm not ruling him out continuing this performance, but if he's not playing every day, the rest of the totals just aren't going to be there for you. Okay, that is Scooter Jeanette we're talking about here, 71% owned, and Odubel Herrera is another. There weren't a lot of hitters that really stood out over the weekend other than you know, one like all the nationals. Uh Herrera, forty nine percent owned. He's six for sixteen in his last four games with three home runs and three doubles. Yeah. Heath, you love him. I do. I, this is exactly what I expected. 
I, I do want to mention something I noticed over the weekend related to hitters. Carlos Gonzalez seems to be the Rockies' fourth outfielder now. Yeah. Gerardo Parra has been being prioritized over him, and, and he's been hitting great. Uh, Rymel Tapia seems to be getting, um, you know, some starts. At, at least, at, at least it looks like Tapia is the one getting the starts against left-handed pitchers. So, and then beyond that, there's a report that the Rockies are interested in acquiring JD Martinez. So I don't know what's going on with Carlos Gonzalez, but this is. I, I think this is the lowest of lows for him right now. I'm I'm not sure. Certainly in three outfielder leagues, I'm not sure he's beyond dropping. Right. You would you think that they you know just want him to come out of the funk and and be their everyday player. They kind of need him. That they are really struggling right now. Both the Rockies and the Diamondbacks have have been bad. They, nice cushions but, though in the wild card race. But but the thing is, I mean, I I mentioned Tapia. I mentioned Parr. Even if one of those disappears. Let's say Parra with his 340 batting average stays in the lineup. Charlie Blackman. If you want Mark Reynolds in the lineup, that puts Ian Desmond in the outfield. And so even without Tapia, Carlos Gonzalez is phased out. And what happens if they actually do acquire J.D. Martinez? Why are they interested in him? I don't understand. Yeah, that was one of the trade rumors that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Also, Atlanta very open to trading Julio Tehran, according to Buster Olney. Uh, He's struggled at home this year, so that might not be a bad thing. And Todd Frazier to Boston is inevitable, according to Ken Rosenthal. Strong word yeah, from yeah. a respected reporter who is probably reporting on Facebook because he has no platform to write on right now. Really? Poor Ken Rosenthal. He Really? It, yeah. Um, he His employer doesn't do written words anymore. He was part of that? Yeah. Well, his employer is no longer employed. The guy who put all that, all those wheels into motion. Pretty crazy stuff going on in our industry, which, you know, probably isn't that interesting to people listening. Nope. Um, Dallas Keiko is going to begin a rehab assignment today. Ian Desmond's back. Cespedes is expected back today. Kyle Hendricks is going to make a rehab start. As far as the Mets outfield goes, like either Cespedes is just going to get hurt again and go on the DL or it seems like he gets dinged up every game or Jay Bruce or Granderson will get traded, it seems like. So you got to think just real quick, the long-term outlook for Conforto playing Every day is is good, right? Or close to it? It should be. Yeah, it should be. I still would not like if you asked me to set the over under on the percentage of games Conforto plays against lefty starters the rest of the year. I think I'd probably still take under fifty. Okay. Uh, see, Kyle Hendricks rehab start this week. John Lackey's going to start this week. Mitch Hanniger's day to day with a finger injury. I had to drop him in a league. Just tired of it, and now he's dinged up. But he should be back pretty soon, Hanniger. Uh, Wilson Ramos could be back today. Can you believe that Scott started Alex Avila over Wilson Ramos, Heath? Uh, from what I understand, Scott has Alex Avila ranked higher than Wilson Ramos. And I think that Scott thinks Alex Avila is a top five or six catcher the rest of the season. So it does not surprise <laughs> me at all that Scott White would do that. <laughs> um, yeah. I think with the number of right-handers that Tigers were lined up to face. I expect Avila to play more than Wilson Ramos right now. Fair enough. Still, uh, yeah. still building up Ramos's playing time. You got lucky. Ramos got getting injured. Nick Franklin and Cliff Pennington are going to platoon at second base for the Angels. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Keone Kellis should be back soon. Brandon Belt has a sore wrist, and Junior Guerra is going to come off the DL and start tomorrow. We'll spend the rest of the show talking about some pitchers. 
And, well, all right, studs being studs. Let's do this quickly. Quintana, seven scoreless with 12 Ks in his first start for the Cubs, and that was at Baltimore. So he's got yeah, it's a, like an American League star. What the heck? I know, right? Weird. Well, a triple A. Wow. The Orioles have some hitters. I mean, they're not a good team, but they have some hitters. <laughs> no, they're not a good team. They're making me a little concerned about Zach Britton, but they'll start winning some games eventually. They can't be this bad forever. You Darvish had a pretty good start. People were frustrated with you Darvish. He's not having that bad of a year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. People are weird. David Price has a 191 ERA and a strikeout per inning and only five walks and 33 innings in his last five starts. He's really turned it on. James Paxton looks like he's gotten back on track. He's had some very good matchups lately. I mean, James Paxton's last four starts, 273 ERA, Phillies, Angels, A's, and White Sox. That's a good run. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still not totally back on board for Paxton. I wasn't even considering that aspect of it. Just he's he's not throwing quite as hard as he did last year. Average velocity, and prior to this start, the walks had still been kind of high. The strikeouts had gotten back, the run prevention had gotten back, but the walks had still been kind of high. And part of what had us so excited as the beginning was this: he was this guy who could touch a hundred and and uh, hardly walked anybody, like kind of like a left-handed Noah Syndergaard. So he's he hasn't been that. Obviously, he's must start again. Right. Our but. expectations probably just got a little out of control for a while with James Paxton, and he's a very nice number two or number three starter. Very nice guy. And yeah, can Gio Gonzalez start struggling already? Like, we've been calling for it, but another yeah, great start. Yeah, stop calling for it. You have? I'm just, I'm just fine starting Gio Gonzalez every week. Hope that, it continues. How far have we come this season from <laughs> Scott? I think he has actually got the DTM. In April. Yeah. I, I, it may have even been later than April. I yeah. said, I yeah. will never own Gio Gonzalez again. Well, I can give you some, st- I mean, look, Gio Gonzalez is a 266 ERA. Right. He has, uh, basically his lowest BABIP of his career. 259. The only season that was lower was 2008, which was his first season in the bigs. And with a career low BABIP, He's allowing more hard contact this year than any of of the five good seasons that Gio Gonzalez had. He had a really good five-year run. But he's out allowing less relative to the league average, I think. Oh, okay. All right. And also because less more Because the league average contact. is up to 33% hard contact now, so that's just average now. All right, all right. Well, that's interesting. And it's a good trade. I mean, if he's walking fewer batters like he's been doing the past 10-plus starts, right? And... You know, fewer pitches overall, pitching deeper into games like that. I'll, I'll take a little more hard contact with that. Okay. That's Gio Gonzalez. Good for him. Studs being studs part two. Masahiro Tanaka had a pretty good start. Did give up three runs, but pretty good start at Boston. And how about this for Tanaka? 14 or more swinging strikes in seven straight games. He just has to avoid the long ball. Aaron Nola has been very good lately. Uh, last five starts, 178 ERA and a ton of Ks. Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello has, I believe, the longest active streak in baseball of pitching six innings. He pitches six innings every time out, and he's been better lately. Um, Aaron Sanchez had a good start on Friday at Detroit. His previous start was terrible, but it was against Houston, so it doesn't count. And uh, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's gotten back on track. Tanaka, Nola, Porcello, Sanchez, Lynn, Aaron Sanchez. Anybody have anything to say about these guys? It's our chance to talk about Nola without Chris here. 
He always dominates the NOLA conversation. Well, go. Love for Do you want to talk about NOLA? If we should always talk about NOLA. I he mean, doesn't. I think he's good. I think he's good too. The problem with NOLA is that he relies more on called strikes than swinging strikes. Those are more difficult to maintain, but I've been encouraged by this recent stretch. Oh, he sounds, sounds just like Chris. <laughs> I was, no, Chris is just flat out mean. <laughs> I'm not, like, I don't dislike Nola. I like him a lot. He yeah, just, okay. he does have a very real flaw that it seems like here recently he may be starting to overcome a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Rick Porcello has given up 10% more hits than anyone else in baseball. 156 hits he's allowed already this year. Second place is Clayton Richard at 142. Nobody else over 135. Well, Porcello is still 93% owned. So would you drop him for Luis Castillo? Would you drop him for Trevor Cahill? No. No. Okay. I'm to the point now where I'm pretty much sitting one-star Porcello. And I, I have a lot of shares in him. I haven't been able to drop him anywhere. Uh, but I, I felt like he was being assessed too harshly this spring. Maybe I was wrong. I have a lot of shares in Porcello. But it, it pretty much takes a two-start week for me to start him now. And in Roto Leagues, maybe even two-start weeks I sit up sometimes. Well, that sounds like somebody who should be dropped, you know? Um, if you're not starting him in a two-start week... He's droppable. You he didn't think about it in a Roto League, I guess. If you're not starting him in a one-start week ever, then it, just generally speaking, if you, if you have a pitcher who's you're not starting ever in a one-start week, that means he's a streamer. Well, ever is a little strong. And, I mean, there is still some hope for improvement from Porcello. The, I know he gives up a lot of hard contact, but the BABIP is awfully high. Yeah, um, all right. So it, there has been some signs of improvement lately. It's just not enough improvement for me to say he's back and I want him starting again. I I don't know. I, I kind of wish I could drop him, I guess, is what I'm saying, but I don't feel like I can. And you all play scared. I, no, I'm just kidding. I, I feel the same way about guys that you invested in. You just don't want to drop him. Who is that guy for me, I guess? Uh, well, I guess— Gregory Polanco? Yeah, I don't own any Polanco, but I probably wouldn't have had the guts to drop him, even though he— Deserved it, and you guys owned him in the in the scam league. Oh, we do own him. Yeah, that's sixteen team, team league. league. Not dropping him there. I'm actually starting him again. Hooray! I did drop him in the twelve team points league though a couple months ago. Yeah, and I have think not I picked him up in that league. league. What was that, Heath? I think I might have picked him up in that league. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I'm at the moment crushing you in that league. Let's let's hope that continues. Or no, no, no you're not. You're you're. What's your stupid name? Oh, no, Yasmani Money, Tomas Problems, yeah. <laughs> the greatest team name in fantasy baseball. I'm facing Chris, who's two Yasmani Cooks, <laughs> which is, which is funnier Terrible than yours. Name. No, it's Terrible name. Yasmani Money, Tomas Problems. <laughs> Outstanding name. Let's finish with uh, studs being duds, and tell me if you're worried about these three guys. Justin Verlander, who apparently is on the trade block. John Gray, who got crushed on Friday at the Mets. And Jose Barrios, who's uh, been a little off lately. Of course, this last start was against Houston, so it doesn't count. But Verlander, Gray, and Barrios. City Field played like Coors Field this weekend. <laughs> One pitcher in each of those games got completely throttled. Matt's Gray and Tyler Chatwood. Um, Chatwood's hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll give Gray a pass for this. I just, it'd be nice if you could trust him at home. Uh, I am not particularly. Like, 
worried about any of these three as long as you're valuing them as number three or number four starters. Verlander, I, Gray, and Barrios. Yeah, I think like Verlander and Barrios are a little bit ahead of Gray for me just because they don't ever have to pitch at Coors. None of these guys are top 30, though. Uh, Scott, have you given up hope? Yeah, have what you, was that? Have you given up hope on Verlander just having a huge run? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. Like, it just... I I don't really understand what his problem is. Oh, control. I don't think. Okay, yeah, but why is he? Ha- why does he suddenly have bad control? And he was. I mean, his numbers in the second half last year were like Sandy Koufax numbers, you know. And he still throws hard. It's not like he's just gotten old. I I don't I don't really understand what's up with him. Um, I'm to the point now where I'm not really caring to start him in a categories league. Just because the whip has been so high, but I still hold that hope he could just turn on a dime like he did. It was earlier than this last year, but it did happen at some point last year. He went from, man, what's wrong with Justin Verlander to, oh my gosh, he's the best pitcher in the American League. Would you give up Sonny Gray for Justin Verlander? Yeah, I would. But I'm lower on both of these guys than Scott is, so it's a different kind of question Mm -hmm. for him. I think on principle... (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I could. Like, I feel like I should be able to get Justin Verlander for cheaper than that. I think I have him ranked ahead of Gray, and I, I'm still going to do that, but I don't know. Would you give up Alex Cobb for Justin Verlander? Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, it's obvious to me. It's obvious to you. I don't know that it'd be obvious to everyone, so try to make it happen. In fact, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to offer that. You know what? I'd give up Gio Gonzalez for Justin Verlander. Oh, okay. How do you feel about that? I like yeah. it. I like emails as well. Uh, we can get to the weekend leftovers tomorrow, but let's finish with emails. Jason from West Virginia. Can you discuss Cameron Mabin? Is it time to drop him? Would you drop Mabin and pick up Gerardo Parra this week in a head-to-head categories league? Not in a categories league. Mabin's one of the few like elite base dealers in baseball this year, and I, I still think the hit skills are good enough that – um it, you'll actually be able to take advantage of that in that format. I'd, well, maybe he is, if he can get on base ever. He's been <laughs> terrible. I did drop him. It's not because I think he's, you know, be, you know, destined to be useless. Just outfield logjam. I had to drop someone, and I dropped Maben. But uh, all right, we, I guess we've set. Looking at looking at this stretch here, let's see. Cameron Maben last. Get two hits in July. Through four hits. Last ten games, he is batting, oh, 59. He is two for, thir- two for 34. Ugh. But only, le- oh, 11 strikeouts is actually a lot. Okay. And one stolen base since June 26th. Oh, he's not getting on base. Uh, from Sam, what do you think of my shortstop strategy? 10 team, 5 by 5 category league with six keepers. I have Lindor, Bogarts, and Corey Seeger. You could say I'm Bogarting the shortstop position. My thought is I have no problem keeping one of them in my utility spot because of, but because of how weak the position is, maybe one of these, um, maybe somebody will overpay for one of my shortstops. What are your thoughts on owning Lindor, Bogarts, and Seeger? I don't like owning a player that that high of quality that I can't start. Yeah, trade one. Yes, you could definitely get a big haul for these guys. Mm-hmm. I traded Bellinger straight up for Lindor a couple weeks ago, and I'm I'm still satisfied with that deal even with Bellinger hitting for the cycle the other day well, I, still I rather hope have that he can get something that he could actually use <laughs> I don't know why you trade for Cody Bellinger you don't even need him oh man <laughs> Patrick Murphy 
I need to drop Cobb or Ian Kennedy to make room for Eduardo Rodriguez. Who would you guys drop? Cobb. Uh, Cobb or who? Kennedy. I would drop Cobb, yes. And Neil in Hawaii wants to know if you're worried about Jeff Samarja. Should we be treating him like a four ERA, a low four ERA guy? Jeff Samarja. It really kind of stinks for him because he was pitching so well earlier in the year and he did not get the numbers that he deserved. And now he's not pitching as well. And so his numbers just aren't going to normalize, I guess. But he has, he's still getting strikeouts at a high rate. He's still not walking anybody, right? I, I don't mean, really understand the Samarja hate. Like, if you look at his season, it's two starts at Coors Field. I think one at Arizona have just ballooned his ERA to 486. Yeah. I mean, the ERA is going to be kind of on the high side. But I think in this pitching environment, as many innings as he's giving you, as many strikeouts as he's giving you, he's still basically must start unless you just have – a lot of pitching options. I mean, in the, in the three starts before this one, you had 15 strikeouts in 20 innings. Against- 15 strikeouts to one walk in 20 innings, and two of them were quality starts. And one and the one that wasn't four earned runs in seven. I mean, that's still yeah. a start you're going to benefit from in this pitching environment. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with Samarja still. I'll take an under four ERA rest of season from Samarja. Um, I. I don't know if I would or not. I think I think four is a good place to set the over-under. Okay. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have any more starts at Coors Field. Uh, so other than Coors Field, I'll take under four. So for Scott and Heath, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.